And that is solely because Jason Pridmore loves the new open music. No, you did this for my boy Joel, who you bitched at after, when he told you about the music out here at Chuckwalla, and now you've got music changed, so I'm giving him full credit. Yeah, but Joel was complaining about the music for like, what, a year and a half? Maybe, maybe, but that's okay. We got the music changed, and he likes it, so that's good. And I think that that's, that was the end music last week, right? I think it's better to start, start it with that one. Well, no, they don't know that. Only you know that because I actually changed it in editing and took out all everything that you said. But I'm glad that you just told everybody no, how, well, how good I am at editing. You're amazing, Greg. Amazing. Jackass. Where are you right now? I'm sitting in Simon's Garage, a place that you became familiar with out at Chuckwalla. And I'm just having a coffee and I can see motorcycles out the garage going around the racetrack right now. It's a perfect day out here. A little warm, hey. but perfect. Hey, everybody, uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on Podbean or you're listening on Apple Pods or wherever you're listening to. Make sure you subscribe so when we upload, you'll get to hear and see, get notified that we have the latest podcast up because the podcast is growing, which is really nice. So, Jason, I'm glad you're out of Chuckwalla for a week. I'm glad yep. you were able to take some time to do this because I are you taking the day off today? You finally get a day off or are you going to kind of not, not really? I'm going to ride a little bit this afternoon. Um but yeah, kind of a day off. I've been out here since Friday, Greg. So I, we had four guys Saturday, four guys Sunday, four guys Monday. A little bit of a day off today. And then I got a, a busy week again, uh, Wednesday through Sunday. It's the last round of CVMA this weekend. So uh, there'll be you know people getting oh. out here tomorrow, riding. So yeah, you should have come and done the finale, G-Dub. You're going yeah, to Vegas, I mean, right? You're coming to Vegas? I'm going to Vegas. Yes, I have to work. But where am I sitting in the points in, in the uh Ultra lightweight Formula Forty Four. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. Yes, yeah, truly. it's way. It's got to be way up there in the points. All right, in this week's podcast, we're going to have you some Mirai news with a guest. Kyle Wyman's going to be here. We're going to talk about Mark Marquez's return to MotoGP. Oh my God, everybody can't stop talking about it. Um, and then because uh, that happens this weekend, by the way, at a roller coaster called Portimao, Supercross is back in action. We're interested in that because. The whole event was crazy, not just the race. And of course, we're going to talk fantasy, and I'm going to touch base on Greg's ride to the races and what's going on there. Before we get into all that, let's get into our news presented by Arai. Uh. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jason, have you heard about Hyper Ridge Construction? Well, you're going to hear about it right now. Hyper Ridge Construction circles around the shell and acts as a shock absorber like an automobile bumper, which improves shell strength around the bottom opening of the helmet and mitigates the spread of cracks in the shell in the event of an impact. Another feature that showcases Arai's obsession for protection. I just made that up, by the way. Their obsession for protection. Another reason to go visit AraiAmericas.com for more information. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to not like the new music. Oh, knock yourself. Just shut up, stupid. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. I, I really don't know where to begin because there's a ton of t stuff to talk about. But how about World Superbike? The mighty Ducatis of Redding and Rinaldi with Chaz Davis, Tito Rabat, and some others, including American Garrett Gerloff, are testing in Aragon. And Gerloff is right there where he left off. Last check, he was in P3 behind Rinaldi and Davis. I know that last week's test, uh, he was still on the 2020 spec engine, Jason, but Gerloff is the fastest Yamaha. No top rack, though, because top rack's out with a positive COVID-19 test. He's not showing any symptoms, according to him, which is good, but he'll be back. So tests are going on. What do you think? Have you been able to even peep and take a look at the times? I, you know, last night, once I remembered that we, we were doing our podcast today, um, all the days were blending together. But, you know, one of the things I caught notice of, and Chaz even made mention of it, too, and I think in an Instagram post that 
rarely is he fastest at these tests. He's always there focusing on racing. So I think he was pretty stoked to, uh, to be ahead of Rinaldi. I, I got to think that he's got a chip on his shoulder too this year. And I feel that, uh, he's going to try to want to be ahead of Rinaldi as much as he can. I also saw some quotes from Rinaldi saying he didn't care about any other riders this year other than to beat Johnny Ray. So, um, you know, it might be something he might want to have kept to himself a little bit on that deal. I don't think Ray needs any more motivation. <laughs> yeah, but, really. uh, but it looks like Garrett's doing his thing over there, doing a great job um, as we'd expect him to do. Uh, he's definitely setting a precedent for himself rolling into the season. Yeah, it's too bad Top Rack isn't there because of COVID. But speaking of that, in MotoGP, the MB Augusta team in Moto2, the World Champion, the World Championship team is is having a tough go at it. Their rider, Simone Corsi, was injured with a left wrist injury at the opening round, so he's out. And they brought in uh, Tommaso Marcone, who, upon returning to Italy after the last one, last race, tested positive. So now they're bringing in Spaniard Miguel Pons, who you might ask, Who's that? He's 23. He's finished four-time runner-up, Jay, in the European Superbike Championship in the Supersport class. He'll also be riding the LCR's uh, uh, Moto E team that he, you know for, for Moto E this year in 2021. What do you think? What a place to debut yeah. in the World Championship, right? Yeah. Well, obviously, he's got a lot of experience. Four years in a row being bridesmaid. has got to sting a little bit just from what you read there. But uh, it's good. Somebody's going to get a shot. It's too bad the other guys are out. But uh Portimao is a really interesting place to go to. So for his first ride there, we don't know if he's ridden there or not, um, obviously before, but it will definitely be a little bit of a shock to his system. And to debut there on a Moto2 team will be, he'll be somebody that I'll be watching at least just to see how he gets on. All right. Now, Jay, since you're sitting there at mm-hmm. the track and you're in teacher mode in the rundown, do you have the rundown in front of you right now? I do. All right. So I, I send a link, click on that link and take a look at some photos because the big news is Andrea Davizioso on Monday, we're recording this on Tuesday, so it continues today and I believe on Wednesday, has finally started testing the Aprilia RS GP at a private test in Jerez. So taking a look at those photos, Jay, I'm just curious how you you see Davizioso getting along with the bike. Because as you and I have talked about for years, oftentimes in photos, you can look at someone's body position and see whether they're comfortable on a bike or not. It's not all telling, obviously. Video would be better. But yeah. just looking at those photos, you know, just now for the, the first time, doesn't know? he though? He looks, yeah, yeah. He looks great. I think, I think for me, the intrigue behind all this and, you know, a few of the boys in the garage that, you know, when I walked in this morning, they were talking about this, you know, Dovey with the Aprilia. And I read some of his comments yesterday about the bike was very easy to ride, which I think is, um, I think he kind of likened it to the Yamaha a little bit um, as far as how the bike is to ride. For me, it's, it's more intriguing because now we're going to really, I don't think Alish has ever had anybody really to to the standard of somebody like Dovey, obviously, as his teammate. It's always been somebody coming up from Moto2 or somewhere else. It always seems like there's truly an A rider and a B rider there. And I think now with Dovey on this bike, it'll be interesting to see the progress that they can make, the things that are good or bad about the bike. Uh, and I think it's we're going to get to see how good this bike really is now with somebody like Dovey, who's obviously currently still, you know, he just was in the championship for the last, you know, last year been a while since been on a moto gp bike but doesn't he get three days does he get three days down there on this bike i believe three days yeah, yeah. so i think yesterday was knocking the rust off day ergonomics day just yeah. getting fit on the bike and he was like you're saying in his quotes he was just like look i'm not testing or not pushing today was yes. not the day to test i think yeah. really we'll see what happens on wednesday the day that most people are listening to this but it's it's if his comments are already that it's a good turning motorcycle then you know, who knows i mean if you're over there and you have a contract 
and you are, you know, on that team, are you nervous? Jay, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, not if you're Aleish. I think Aleish is good, especially after his performance at Qatar, too. Aleish came out with some comments, though, that basically said we don't need another good, like another great rider on the on the bike type of thing. And it was kind of weird to me, you know? And I think that when you when you look at what Aleish has done, he always goes good at Doha. Always. I mean, it just seems like he always goes well there. Um, he looked great this week. Uh, this last two races at Doha uh, did Aleish and... And now it's like we're going to go to Europe and we're going to see where this bike's at. And I and I got to believe that somewhere within Aprilia, they've said, "Hey, look, we ha- there's an A there's an A list rider out there um, that wants to still ride. Let's go see. Let's get him on the bike. Let's try it. Let's see what happens here. And uh, you know, maybe it would be a great thing. I think it'd be a good thing. And like you said, he looks great on the bike. So uh, we'll probably know a lot more after today's test." Um, of what he thinks and he'll probably do some time attacks tomorrow there was also some some things i read where brottle is there testing so it'll give him at least a yardstick to see where he's at with a current moto gp bike and they said that maybe marquez might show up on the street model of the of the rc so you know it, it, it would be interesting and then what do they do gw do they just load up and go straight to portimao right so yeah if that's indeed what they do they might miss this next race and then bring him into the one after yeah who knows what Toby's future holds if he's going to get a wild card ride or if they're going to switch him out, depending on how his time goes. Pretty, pretty exciting to see him in the championship after we thought he was going to be gone. Pivoting to Moto America news in the newly minted mission King of the Baggers championship. It was revealed that 2020 Invitational champ Tyler O'Hara has been getting some laps in on his mission SNS Indian Challenger. And if that photo posted on Moto America's Instagram is current, which I believe it is from the videos that I've seen on SNS and the videos that I've seen that Tyler has posted. Um, he's looking pretty comfortable in that beast. So maybe we'll get him on the podcast, Jay, because he's also going to race some flat track this year. Yeah, I saw that he's going to do Atlanta. Uh, I saw that he's, uh, the, the what is it, like a super TT that they're having the same weekend we're down in Atlanta. They're going to be doing that race um, at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So, um, yeah, I mean, Tyler obviously rides a lot of different bikes. Um very, very talented guy. He was the guy to beat at Laguna. So, and I think he's been down there at Jennings riding that thing. So, you know, I'd be interested to see the improvements they've made on that bike. So we're going to transition now from Tyler O'Hara to one of his potentially biggest threats for the three race championship. Please welcome to the podcast, Harley Davidson factory rider, Kyle Wyman. Hi, Kyle. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. It's going good, man. So, uh, you got a lot of stuff going on, but since we're talking about baggers, congratulations, Harley Davidson factory rider. Tell us about that whole situation. Yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty good. It's uh, something that's been a goal of mine since I was really, really young growing up in a Harley Davidson dealership. I raced the XR 750 Harley and flat track in AMA flat track series. And I've been close to Harley's my whole life. Raced the XR 1200 series through road racing in, in uh, the DMG era. So, yeah, to kind of see it come back around, uh, being a factory rider for Harley-Davidson is something that's pretty special. Uh, it's on a Harley-Davidson Road Glide special, so should be uh, should be an interesting one. I've had a lot of time to test on the bike, and um, I think we're going to have a weapon. I read some stuff on you, Kyle, that, that when you were a kid, you had pictures of Scott Parker and Chris Carr. Those were guys that kind of from back in my era, I guess you could say. And um, did you get to ride with those guys and meet them at all? You know, I, I did get to race against Chris Carr a little bit when I was like 17. I made my GNC debut at Daytona Short Track and 
funny story. There was like 140 entries, you know, and you had to qualify, you know, top 70 to make the night show back, back in 2007. That's how it was. Right. So I remember qualifying, uh, ninth and Chris Carr qualified eighth. We had the Hmm. exact same lap time down to the thousandth, but he did it sooner than me. So that's like my, (laughs) my Chris Carr story from when I was 17. And I missed the main by one spot, never made a main. Um, I just had a pretty short run in, uh, in AMA flat track that year, but yeah, those guys are my heroes. The guys that grew up, you know, just watching Jay Springsteen and Scotty Parker. And, um, it goes back to, you know, my grandfather who started the dealership, the Harley dealership back in 1962 and brought my mom to all the flat track races when she was a little kid. And it's something that's, uh, that runs deep in our family, Harley Davidson. I know you've ridden the bike, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to talk to Kyle quite a bit and I know you've ridden the bike. I guess the big question for me is, you know, when you do the three rounds that you're doing, um, now that you've ridden the thing, is it easy to ride? Is it hard to ride? Do you see, do you see the potential of it? Will it interfere too much with your superbike program or do you think it'll be a, a relatively easier transition? I think it's an easy transition only because it's so different from the superbike that you can't mistake yourself being on one or the other, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're racing a 600 and a thousand, you know, like back in the day, a lot of the guys would do that. I think that's almost more difficult because it's easy to mistake which one you're on and think about different brake markers and shift points. The bagger is obviously way different than my Ducati Superbike, So it's hard to mistake going back and forth, but I used to go back and forth between the XR 1200 and the R6 Yep. In like 2013, 14. So it's something I'm, I'm kind of used to, um, but riding the bike, it's honestly, I thought it would be a lot like the XR 1200 where you got to carry the corner speed and it's heavy and you just have to be nice to it. But the thing's got over 130 foot pounds of torque. So yeah. I'm oh. actually riding the thing. Oh, yeah. I'm riding the thing like a super bike because it has so much torque. You got to get that thing pointed before you, before you jump off the corner. How much adjustability do you have on those things? They're super bikes. Yeah. I mean, it, it may sound silly, but like they're super bikes. We got a full adjustable front end, rear end. We've tested three different swing arms, different stif- stiffnesses. And like it, this is well beyond any race program I've, I've ever had, you know, especially as a team owner and super bike, like the capabilities that Harley Davidson's brought to the table with their Screaming Eagle uh, development, like, it's, it's insane the level of parts they're bringing to the table. And, you know, it's really an arms race between Harley and Indian, which is really cool because the capabilities and I guess the rules don't really limit that much. I mean, you got a spec tire in the Q4 and you got a minimum weight of 635 pounds. And, and those create a really low ceiling on their own. Mm -hmm. So like, how you can get the lap time there's an insane level of development trying to get the you know the super bike forks to flex correctly and like there's just it's it's a it's kind of uncharted water for Olin's who's a technical partner for for this project and like we're totally learning on the fly hmm What's your weekend going to look like, Kyle, in terms of, have you thought about it, being able to jump back and forth between your your race trailer and the factory Harley-Davidson race trailer and the amount of time, you know, do you have 
sponsor commitments, you know, autograph signings, all that kind of stuff. Like how busy is it going to be? And have you seen the Moto America layout yet for road Atlanta, how far apart are those going to be? Yeah, I've, I've taken a look. It doesn't look too bad, uh, especially on Friday. So the, the baggers don't run until the very end of the day on Friday. So I have all day to focus on the superbike, And then when QP two is over with the grid set for the weekend, cause we don't have super pole, I can go just kind of burn off some steam and go ride the bagger around and have some fun. So that's kind of the, the, the mindset I'm trying to take with it. And I mean, that's, yeah, it shouldn't be too bad. I think it's going to be a little bit busier on Saturdays and Sundays, but but definitely it's like 8 a.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. Sunday for the bagger. You know, if the weather's good, we go out and learn a couple things. And then it's like, you know, a 12 to 15 minute race first out on Sunday. Only one race for the baggers on any given weekend. So, yeah, it's going to be a little busy just, just going back and forth. But they've removed Super Pole from Superbike this year. So that kind of takes some of the turnaround out of it for the weekend. And I don't think it's going to be too bad. Yeah, Jason, we're commentating that for Fox, by the way. So, you know, yeah. just so you know, it's, it's going to be, be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Let's let's transition then, Kyle, because you have a lot more stuff going on than just the bagger stuff. You have your Superbike program. What does the Superbike program look like this year in terms of like, are you on the same bike? Is it the same spec as last year? What's going on? So this year we've actually been able to take a huge step with the bike. Um, we're going to be on the latest RVP 2530 forks from Allins. We're going to be on a later billet swing arm from Ducati Corsa. And then we've also invested in the factory fuel tank tail setup. Really the current stuff that you see flying around Aragon today on all the uh, the Ducati Superbikes and World Superbike. Um, our bike's going to look very similar to that. Uh, we've taken a step back on the engine program to get something that we feel will be more reliable, uh, but still make great power. Uh, we're still on a super stock type of electronics kit from Magneti Morelli. Um, but the chassis is where we've made a lot of big steps. And, um, you know, mainly this year, we're defining our package for the year and not evolving it throughout the year. That's going to be the biggest thing helping us from a technical side. and. From uh, from a marketing side, you know we've got Panera Bread as our title sponsor to start the year. So this is something that we've been working on all winter long. Uh, finally got to announce it about a week and a half ago. So um, a lot of exciting things happening, a lot of new things, different things going on for me. Been busy for sure. I really think that the Panera Bread thing is interesting, Kyle, because this it, you know when you get outside industry sponsorship. Uh, getting involved with a program like yours. I think it's important that the, the motorcycle community get out there and support that. Um, you've got to be excited going into Atlanta, having the opportunity to represent a company like them. And uh, I mean, they've got locations everywhere, so we can all get to them. Um, are the main people from Panera Bread going to get down to Atlanta to get to watch you? There will be some people out there for sure. Um, people who have seen racing and some who haven't. So I think that's that's really special. And then we're also going to be doing an event at the Gainesville location of Panera Bread on Wednesday before the event. So we'll announce the time pretty soon, but we're actually going to have our semi and the, and the bike out there. Uh, I guess it would be Wednesday, the 28th before the Moto America weekend in Atlanta. Uh, I think that Gainesville Panera Bread is only about 15 minutes from Brazelton where the track is. So 
uh, we're going to swing through there and roll the bike out and have some fun with the fans. And I guess the, uh, the, the manager of that location, the motorcyclist, and she rides to the, she rides to the location every day. So it's really cool to kind of see this crossing over uh, motorcycle racing and a non-endemic sponsor like Panera Bread. But uh, they see the value in how the numbers are growing with the series. And and already, like you said, people going out and supporting the company that supports our team, like the reception has been amazing already with people wanting to go eat Panera Bread because they see that they're helping out Moto America and helping out a team. So. Well, I think that's what I kind of what I was getting at with your Instagram. I've seen you repost a bunch of things of people going to Panera Bread. And when you get corporate America involved, it could be the the first kind of step, because if other companies or or restaurants or whatever it will be, get to see that that's going to be, you know, could be influential for the future for for what we're doing. Now, you mentioned you got a bunch of new parts um, for the bike and and you got some updates. Are are you going to get a chance to to get on it and test it a little bit? Yeah, we're testing this weekend. We've got a new electronics guy this year, Paul St. Clair, who was with the Attack Yamaha team last year. He's joining us. He's coming in this week to uh, do some some work on the dyno, and then we're going to get on the bike on Saturday and Sunday. I'm actually testing the bagger here at Indy Thursday, Friday. The whole Harley crew is out here. <laughs> and then right after that, we'll test the Superbike Saturday, Sunday. Um, maybe Saturday we'll take a little bit of time for me to go back and forth between the two bikes and see how that transition is. But, um, big week of riding. That's a good idea actually, isn't it? That's a good idea just to kind of train your brain a little bit as to what you've got to, how long it's going to take you to get, you know, like, is it a lap? Is it two laps to get used to jumping back and forth between those bikes? Yeah. The hardest thing about the bagger is that, you know, and I, I just thought about this the other day, we haven't tried any practice starts yet, but like, the thing is so tall that I need people to catch me when I come to a stop. <laughs> so like, that's all, that's what it takes to get the ground clearance that we need. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking, man, we're going to have to like make the seat narrower or something. Cause I haven't actually like come to a stop on my own yet with this thing. So <laughs> Dude, they just have to have an apple box, that's like, awesome. like a Harley branded apple box, you know, all painted up black and orange and just like slide it, have one mechanic running around just wherever you stop has to put yeah. it underneath your foot. Oh, I'll have to call out. use blocks on the start. Some, uh, I'll have yeah. Alpine stars make some custom, you know, platform boots for me. <laughs> well, my, my biggest fear, I mean, what happens if you're faster on the bagger than you are on the superbike this week? Oh, then what happens? Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> wow. I tell you what, we, we did go fast enough on the bagger at Laguna to uh, qualify for super sport and stock 1000. Oh, wow. Can you there imagine you how many hearts you would just break? Oh my God. I mean, the guy, yeah. you know, Kyle, I, I mentioned to you on um, Saturday out here. I, you know, out here at Chuckwalla, they've got a bunch of guys racing baggers. They've actually developed their own class out here for it. So one of the main guys actually did a one-on-one with us. Awesome guy. Tony's a really good dude. And, and it was funny cause he's never gotten any instruction. He's pretty much only ridden Harleys and the stuff that we showed him and helped him with, he was, he was like blown away and he was so pumped, but it was a really nice bike. And it was amazing how fast these guys are going on these bikes. I mean, they're going fast on these things. It's, don't it's please the love of god jason don't mention a lap time i don't want to know no g-dub i'm not i'm not kidding you they're gonna be they're gonna be probably i bet you if kyle came here um i bet kyle would probably get that thing into the 55s or 56s yeah that's what i thought that's great yeah. 
no, I mean, that's, um, yeah. That's I mean, about what I'm expecting here at Indy, our home track. Is that right? Yeah. Like, Cause the lap times are yeah. kind of similar to here, it's, aren't they? It's so similar. Like breaking two minutes is like the Holy grail for a lot yeah. of the, you know, track day guys. Right. So like, I think we're going to be doing like 56s out at Indy and we're testing this Thursday, Friday, but you know, we don't have the track to ourselves. It's member days. So there's actually yeah. a, a, a couple of my friends and sponsors who, you know, they, they talk some smack about the Harley stuff. Oh, guess what? Up, aren't you? Guess what? <laughs> They're going to be on their Ducatis, BMWs, and it's going to be pretty demoralizing when that uh, air-cooled 131 comes up the inside of them. I love it. You got to get they're a, gonna, a They're actually going to, Jay, thing. think about it. They're going to have to have, instead of having the, uh, the brake protectors on the front, in the Harley class, they'll have to have them on both sides, like the throttle, oh. because he'll slide it in and just hit him with the front of the bag. Yeah. Boom. No doubt. No doubt. Give him a little love tap. You know what I mean? Hey, all right. So, Kyle, yeah. so one more thing. Um, what's going on this year with the KW Army? Yeah. As the, I saw the program. It's kind of a late start. Um, have people been responding to the the Army, and how are things going? Yeah. No, it's been a late start just because we we wanted to be able to announce our sponsor and announce you know the program itself. So um pre-orders over with we ended that on friday and that was basically just to guarantee your names on the bike for atlanta you get your stuff for atlanta um you know shirts hats you know everybody gets a credential so i have like a kwr fan zone that'll be like for atlanta in the turn 10 area where all the kwr fans can be together and watch the race together and it's just been a really cool program it helps support the team it gets more people wearing KWR gear at the track and, you know, you've, you've got more access to my team and me and just get to be a part of something that's pretty cool. So pre-order was great and really appreciate all the people that, that bought into it and uh, can't wait to see the Panera bread KWR hoodies and hats and t-shirts just swarming the paddock this year. It's going to be awesome. Well, look, here's the bottom line. You know where the booth is at Michelin Raceway Road, Atlanta. So I have no problem with you delivering some bagels, maybe a nice chicken sandwich, a teriyaki bowl. I mean, you, you know where we are. So you can go a lot healthier. No more, yeah, no more donuts for you, G-Dub. Everybody out here is, is donuted out after your you know, two weekends <laughs> that we had out here. So I'm Panera Bread will be too. a much healthier choice for you. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, Kyle, we, have, have, a we nice, have a nice chicken salad. It's funny because when you talk about the – you know, the KWR army, it's, we had, we had Tony and Tim out here. If you remember Greg from when we did our, our, uh, battle of the olds and yeah. both those guys, I think Kyle, they, I think it was Tim that brought it up to me about what a horrendous weekend we had there at the Ridge last year. We'll, we'll, we'll just oh, brush yeah. over that real quick, but they were talking <laughs> about, you know, I remember when you put all those parts and stuff for sale and those guys were buying stuff. And so we get, you know, we do get some people out here that that have ties with you just because they've been, you know, they're obviously part of the army and they're buying some stuff. I think it's a great thing that you do there to get your supporters involved. Yeah, just whatever it takes, you know. I mean, there's people that want to help a privateer team, and my goal was just to try to make that a little bit easier if the, if they wanted to, you know. So, you know, it's not it's not just a donation, you know. You get all sorts of swag and you know, discounts with my sponsors and things like that. So yeah, just try to make it fun, try to make it engaging. And, and, uh, the sponsors love it as well because, you know, it gets everybody's logos out there even more and just gets a closer tie with, from the fans to the sponsors and everything in between. And 
it's just a, it's been a good program. This is our third year doing it. So um, I think we're going to, as of now, we're going to have over 200 names on the tail section of the Superbike to start wow. Atlanta. Congratulations. So, That's um, awesome. And we, we add them between every round. So, you know, the Army's still open for enlistment, if you will. And uh, we'll, we'll add everybody's names throughout the year. Yeah, get to Kyle's page and you can look at the different tiers that you can get involved in that. And uh, it's a great thing there. Okay, so like the important stuff now, Kyle. Um, how's the golf game? What's our handicap? Where are we at? How many, oh my God. How many oh. shots are you How many shots are you giving me on these Thursdays? I already know where we're going to be eating lunch on Thursday afternoon. So like <laughs> yeah, where, no, where, we where are we at with the covered. golf right now? Well, finally, something that we, we definitely need to talk about. No, it's it's um, <laughs> it's going pretty well. I'm definitely a sub uh, bogey golfer now, albeit not solidly. But I mm-hmm. think after yesterday's round, I'm going to go from a 17.6 to a 17.3. So All I'm right. coming for you. Coming for you. Well, it's, I, you know, I'm more interested in, you know, we don't want to give our hand away too much in case we get any guys that want to take us on as a team. I got to get you in there as a solid 22 handicapper. You know what I mean? And, uh, okay. you know, so we can bag it a little bit, but I know maybe, maybe you know, that's it. not a bad idea. Maybe you guys should, uh, you know, at some point where, you know, you're going to be at a nice location, maybe up at road America or something, do a little deal, maybe through Kyle, through your website or something where people can kind of bid to play golf with you guys. And then that money gets donated to charity or something. That'd be kind of cool. I'm thinking, I'm thinking gamble it and all money goes to the KWR fund. That's what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> that, that's, that, you know. I'm just thinking yeah. out loud here. I'm not much of a gambler, yeah. but you know what I'm yeah. saying? No. Yeah, I'm not no, much but... of a gambler. Well, yeah. whatever. <laughs> All right. Listen, Kyle, th- thanks for joining us here as we transition away from golf. We appreciate it. We have much more podcasts to get to, but Kyle, good luck. And especially with your four days of testing, hopefully we'll be able to see some of uh, how it goes on, on your social media. That'll be good. I'll put Hannah on the, on the camera, get some clips going for everyone. Mm, really? I think a lot of people would like to see Hannah. Yeah, just Hannah, not yeah, you. Maybe, well, yeah, maybe. Well, she'll just flip the camera around and get. <laughs> there you go. Work. Just have her go nah, back and forth. Stuff. A little bit of you as you go by. If, <laughs> hey, if Indy Motorsports ran her two minute lap times, she can show you for five seconds. Then we can get one fifty five of Hannah. That's that sounds That's like a fair pretty deal. Pretty much to me. how it goes. That's how <laughs> it goes. So. All right, thanks for joining us, Kyle. We certainly appreciate yeah, it, thanks, man. Guys. And there is your news presented by Arai. All right, G Dub. Well, first off, thanks, Kyle Wyman, and. Uh, but since we last recorded our podcast last Tuesday, we need to talk about Atlanta 1, which happened this past weekend. And G-Dub, I thought it was very classy of you to let us all know that this race was starting as early as it was mm. because of our fantasy picks. But yeah. I got some real questions for you at the Supercross. We're going to go ahead and I'll give you the first five or ten guys. Tomac wins over Sexton, who was very, very impressive, I think, coming back from injury. This kid's going to be a future Supercross champion, I believe. Cooper Webb ends up third. Jason Anderson, who was fast all day, ends up fourth. Over Ferrandis, Plessinger, Muscan, Savachi, Ken Roxon, really disappointing ninth place for Roxon. And Barsha ends up 10th. You know, Greg, when you look at this track, I, I don't even need to ask you what it reminds you of. Um, it's obviously a little mini Daytona. The lap times are very long. Uh, it's a lot more like an outdoor track. These guys got three races there. And we, we are, we're recording our podcast here Tuesday morning now. They've got a race tonight, which is race two in Atlanta. Man, do you see Tomac clawing his way back in somehow over these next two rounds? Even? I, I I really do. I mean, after the heat race. So so if you didn't see the race, it rained right before they started. So or right as they were getting started with the actual qualification program. So they only had one go at the track. 
and Georgia clay for anybody who oh. hasn't been to Georgia when it's wet. I mean, I can tell you this from like literally in 96, 95, 94, whatever, running off the track at road Atlanta. And it, you, you just hit so the bad. deck. You hit the oh. deck so fast. And then that stuff gets in everything. I mean, I still have everything. a leather suit that has Georgia clay. You, you know, can't get it out. It. You can't get it out of your suits ever. You can't it, get it out ever. It's, it's so snotty and slimy, isn't it? It is. And I'll tell you what, uh, uh, to American super camp, Danny Walker school. I used to take those, you know, when I first started racing, love the school, love the curriculum, really good dudes there. If you get a chance, definitely take those schools. But I'll tell you this, we went to, uh, Alabama one time that was right on the Alabama, Georgia border. So same stuff. And what they did there for throttle control to teach you throttle control was they sat there with a hose and were just hosing that thing down. Can you wow. imagine yeah, back in that gnarly. day, it was an XR 100, on that total snot. I think they use TTR 125s now. And you want to talk about throttle control. And the funniest thing was, Jason, is is uh, Chris Carr was there. And I was the only person who didn't crash. And hmm. he was like, he, he takes up a cone, like a cone that was about as tall as he is, because Chris Carr's not very tall. <laughs> yeah. And is yelling at me, you better ride faster. You stink. Oh, it was, I could not stop laughing. That's great. But and the reason I didn't hit the deck was because I was I was like, dude, if I crash, this Georgia Clay will never get out of my motorcycle. It'll never get out of this riding gear. It'll be incredible. But anyway, did you so watch? Did you watch this race? Oh, I watched every bit of it. Every so bit of it. Was your heart breaking a little bit for Plessinger? It, it was. It, I mean, the guy has like a five and a half second lead. He's cruising, and when you look at where he fell, when you look at all the obstacles at a Supercross track that are so gnarly, the ruts step ups um doubles triples the ruts that 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 are in the face of those jumps are so insane and yet the thing that was the worst is he just kind of went up over the top of a of a little roller loses the front but it was just kind of an awkward crash where he couldn't just jump up get right back on i mean the guy ends up finishing sixth but here's a guy that's been on the factory yamaha team now for a few years a couple years obviously had success outdoors had never won a supercross he's five and a half seconds clear like checked out gone and, and the other thing too oh. jason is his dad scott is great great guy yes, and great guy. one of the best off-road racers that we have had and that's where aaron grew up like this really from a from a deep-rooted childhood perspective of roots of riding this was definitely his race to win and you got it you got to just hope that that circles back to him and he and he you know he manages to get a w somewhere i mean i think he's going to be tough this today and Saturday moving forward. Um, but man, it, what do you think about Roxon? I mean, it's kind of like surprised. Yeah. Just shocked. Just you know. shocked because Kenny's a good outdoor rider. There's no doubt. But, you know, Jay, sometimes, I mean, we've seen this in, in all the motorsports that you and I watch, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, you see champions at a NASCAR track on an oval, they get on a road course and they can't find their way out of a paper bag, or you find a road racer who's amazing in the dry. And when it starts to sprinkle a little bit, or it starts to rain a wet track, they're nowhere to be seen. Right. I mean, sometimes, and that's the thing, Ken Roxon is, doesn't ever strike me as that guy, I you know? know? So, so when I was watching this race, when it was, it was drying out, but when it was in the qualifiers, I just kept thinking to myself, this is the slipperiest Washugal I've ever seen. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, because it looked, when I, it looked I, so sketch. Yeah, I did Washugal one year uh, as a PA announcer for the Pro Motocross Series, and it rained nonstop the whole yeah. day we were there. And you know, people are fast in those conditions, and some aren't. And it might have come down to a decision the team made as well to to figure out the mud. It, you know, Supercross 
those bikes are different from a motocross bike. I mean, they're the same bike, but they're set up differently. And, and, you know, that's why you'll see towards the end of the season. Now, a lot of these riders are already testing their outdoor setup because it is different. And some of that has to do with how they manage the mud. Generally, we don't right. see these conditions in supercross, but you saw at the starting line, they had some, you know, some of the riders had some stuff on their helmet and Ricky Carmichael yeah, explained yeah. that that was to keep mud off. It's all about that mud collection. If you actually look at Jason at a KTM, and the time that I spent with KTM a couple of years ago, their front fender is designed. It's not a smooth front fender like you and I grew up with. It actually has ridges. That whole fender is designed for one thing, and that is to eliminate mud sticking to it. Yeah, makes uh, it's it's it makes a lot of sense. There's so much technology that we don't know about, or that I personally don't know about in Supercross that I learn about every. It seems like every year. I, I gotta I gotta say too that this is where the guy who I, you know, who I feel is going to win the championship bar injury is so smart. Cooper Webb now. He has a 22-point lead over Roxon. He has a 36-point lead over Tomac. And, you know, it's like, I think for Cooper right now, he's got one hand on the trophy. And it's, it's, it's when you watch him do that race this last week, uh, this last Saturday, it was like the guy closest to him is Roxon. He actually extended his points lead this weekend um, by finishing third. And now he can start to single out the guys that are really there that he's got a race for the championship. And it doesn't really matter to him. I mean, Tomac could win every race here on out. And, and if, if uh, you know, Webb finishes second or third all the way out, he's winning the championship. So what is there, four rounds left? I think there's two in Atlanta, and then we got two more after. Salt Lake um, City. Salt Lake City. And you just sit there and you think to yourself, he's just he's got such a head on his shoulders. There's really no – he's done the hard work midseason, grinding out those wins and showing that he could dominate like he did. Now it's really like let's just race Roxon. As long as he's ahead of Roxon right now, that points lead is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, he, he might wrap this thing up with a, with a race to go. Just shows a lot of, a lot of class getting this championship. Let's talk about the race finish. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause Eli Tomac was chasing down Chase Sexton, Chase yep. Sexton, uh, got into a, a lapper, Cade Clayson out of Tucson and to Chase Sexton's credit post race, he didn't mention anything about it. He didn't blame Clayson for, you know, like being in the wrong spot, none of that. And I thought that that was total class by Chase Sexton. He kind of took responsibility for what had happened. I had also read, I don't know if you heard this or not, but I read somewhere that he had said that he thought that it was the last lap, that it, that it was the check. That's flag. right. But that's what it looked like. We all went, he thinks it's over because he yeah. kind of, he kind of singled a double and was kind of looking around. And when Tomac went by, it was like, whoa, what just happened? You know? And yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, so I have to give a kind of props to Chase Sexton for not taking the easy way out and just blaming another rider, you know, lap traffic. Because if you saw Clayson, he, it kind of snuck up on him. And as soon as he knew that the blue flag was out, he got off the racetrack. But then yeah. that's when, you know, Chase Sexton started to roll. And I'm not just being nice to Cade because I picked him in fantasy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, yeah. but we do want to address it. So good racing. I did check the forecast for Atlanta for the next 10 days. There's no rain in sight as far as I can see. So, so it should be good. So it's going to be like a big outdoor race again today. And you got to think with the ruts and as gnarly as it'll get, um, you know, my big fear when I was watching that race is that's the same place they're doing the flat track, right? Oh yeah. That's can you right. imagine if it rained? I mean, they're hosts because oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, wouldn't be wouldn't. able to, you wouldn't be able to have the race obviously, but Wow. But that that stuff would take forever to dry. on a flat tracker, and yeah. it would still be slippery. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy. Now, when we move over into the 250 class, I don't think anybody saw this coming. But again, you look at some of the conditions and things like that. I didn't get to watch this race as much, G-Dub, only because I was teaching that day. So I didn't get to really see the 250 class. Uh, but Nate Thrasher, I mean, unbelievable, goes on and wins. Didn't he win the last chance qualifier as well? I think he won the LCQ. Yep, he won. Yeah, exactly. Wins the he LCQ. Won. 
And then and then he goes out and he wins the race uh, over Justin Cooper. McAdoo ends up third. Hamaker, Peters, Harrison, Lawrence, Hunter Lawrence ends up seventh. Swole, uh, Pierce Brown, and Shock round out the top ten. Right now in that points championship, it's looking like uh, Justin Cooper is at a 131. McAdoo's at 127. Uh, Hunter Lawrence still right in there at 118. Um, I mean, what a victory for for Nate Thrasher. I, I you know I don't think any of us really saw that coming. Greg, I didn't get to see the race. Uh, all I know is this this guy he qualifies 19th and goes on and wins. That was awesome. So he goes out there, kind of gets the lead early on, and then gets a bit of a gap. And I can't remember who it was. Hamaker. Somebody was only five seconds behind him, and that was kind of going three eight point eight to five seconds. They fell down, picked it back up. Maybe it was Mitchell Harrison. Um, Hunter Lawrence crashed in the first turn. He was down and out. Oh, so, okay. So the ride that Lawrence had was really impressive, especially considering his fastest lap was only a 48 versus a 44 to Nate Thrasher. But I, I don't know when that that fastest lap happens, but my guess is it's going to happen uh, with, with, in that class. It probably happened later. Or see, it's really weird because you want to say, okay, look, when the mud's not on the bike, you can go faster because the bike feels like a normal bike. When you start adding mud front rear and does weird things, the bike starts to act a little bit different. However, the track, the track kept drying out. So uh-huh. you know what I mean? But, but yeah. Hunter had to really work through the pack and it was impressive enough that he worked his way to seventh because it could have been total disaster, but Lawrence never gave up. He just kept on pounding out the laps, but Thrasher, it was one of those steals, dude where you go, okay, this kid's a rookie on Star Racing Yamaha. He's what? I think he's 18 years old. This is his first win. He comes from the LCQ. And this would have been the perfect the perfect place for a rookie like that to throw it away. Mm-hmm. And I think, as oddly as it sounds, I think the conditions probably helped the fact that he had a five-second lead that all of a sudden, like miraculously, turned into a 10-second lead. I mean, you'd have to tell me, but don't you think with conditions that were as treacherous as this, that that would... in like give you ultra focus. So you're not really thinking much about, Oh my gosh, this is my first race and all this kind of thing, you know, like, well, I think that it, it makes, I think at a track like this, the chasers are definitely a lot harder. Cause if you could keep pounding out the laps and just doing your time, um, it, it's something that's really treacherous. I think you want to force everybody behind you to try to push to catch you. Cause I think it, I think you're right, Greg. I think it does breed into mistakes, right? It's like, it's like having a 10 second lead in the rain, and or five second lead in the rain and then realizing that you've got to try to manage that you want to have it to where everybody else behind you is pushing harder in those conditions so uh i'm, I'm talking road racing obviously now but um but i mean what a victory for him i mean uh, uh i and, and you know the other thing too is justin cooper and his heat race crashed and when he got back up i saw a little bit of that heat race greg and he was head and shoulders above everybody as far as speed goes he i think he came all the way back and i i believe he ended up second in this heat race um, or he barely didn't beat Hamaker in the heat. And what was interesting about that was I just remember thinking to myself, Cooper's going to smoke everybody in the main event. And, um, you know, it didn't happen that way, but, but, uh, yeah, good on him for, for, for Nate Thrasher getting his first win. We're going to be doing the pulp thing today, Greg. And, uh, when you look at the pulp <laughs> fantasy, I know this is your bit, but I got to say, um, between, you know, Chuck and Uncle Skip and you and myself. I, I don't know where Chuck found the top ten. Was it that's in our league, right? Yeah, we were like all four of us were top ten in our league last week. We all had like magical weeks, which means this week will probably be horrendous junk. junk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, why don't you go through it for us? 
uh, in terms of, of, of the league itself and, and who did well. MK84 <laughs> yeah. leading the way uh, by two points over Hucklebuck Racing. Poncho's in there just behind, and you have um, Off the Ceiling. So that's, I, that's Nick. That's Nick, Nick yeah. 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 Uh, on back, as for us, that's, that's overall, I believe. That's the series overall. But if we go back and look at just Atlanta number one, and how that yeah, make us that, feel, but make us all feel better, G Dub. Well, I mean that's that's what I try to do, Jason. So I hate to say it, but Chuck Axlin last week actually won the overall with 280 points. Masshole was second. Way to be Masshole. JP was third. Uncle Skip was sixth, and I was ninth with 244. So, but I don't even know where I am. I haven't even looked. But look, if you want to join us in the Pulp MX Fantasy League, just go to Greg's Garage Pod. Uh, and, and check us out because we'd love to have you part of the series. Um, pretty soon here, I'm going to get some codes. We're just going to be randomly giving away for anyone that's actually scored points during the season. We'll give away those. Uh, what are, the Moto America Live Plus app uh, things like w- the codes or whatever. We're going to give yeah. those away. Um, so where did you, are you move up last? Did you move up last week? Because I did make a little text to all of us that that there's three of us in the top fifty. Uh, I don't see you in the top 50. Uncle Skip's 50th now. Yeah, so then, he's on he's on page one. I yeah, have he's moved, on page one. I've moved up to 53rd, so I am I am scratching, man. I'm only three deep in page two. Oh, you're G-Dub. Today could be the day you could move up. Could be. They're, they're so, like, there right were some people that took some big hits. What, what You know, our, our, our Rossi fan, he took a big hit last week, did old Dougie. And he's been talking a little bit of shit. Mm. So, we got to make mention that he, I mean, Greg, Dougie only scored last week. He scored 148 points. Oh, oh that's, too, that's bad. too bad. Oh, yeah. what wow. a shame. Crying oh. shame, Dougie. Mm. Kev had a little bit of a struggle. He's 24th. Mikey Gilbert, he's moved up to 11th. Greg, I went from 24th to 14th. That's so a big that jump. Was, was a big jump. And of course, Chuck is there in uh, in I uh, was he 33rd now. So he he made a big jump, and he's got some people right in front of him. So pulp thing's been really fun for us to do it gives us a little bit of a talking point to some people that that have been um uh, you know obviously they were late and even some of us now we got the moto gp pool we got a busy week this week because we got saturday supercross we got moto gp this weekend um so we got a lot of things going now greg speaking of moto gp <laughs> this weekend in portimao mm-hmm. there's a couple things that are going to make some news um we saw this week that mark marquez has got the clear from the doctors there's a couple of things I want to talk with you about this thing. So we won't, we won't rush through this part too much, but Mark Marquez is back and um, it's been nine months, long, long, hard months for this guy. Um, I know what it's like coming back from big injuries. Uh, I know what it's like being off a bike for a full year coming back from a big injury. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. All this speculation of what he's going to do, where he's going to finish, how's he going to end up? I read something today that Mark Marquez said, that kind of gives me an indication of how I think he's going to do. But I want to get your view on this first. And this is something that Greg and I haven't talked about. We normally talk about stuff before the podcast. What's your, what's your reckon, what you, what you reckon he's going to end up this week? I had a conversation with an insider who knows somebody in the Marquez camp. And the one thing that struck me in that conversation was that Mark was not going to come back. They weren't worried about the bone, okay? The bone isn't the problem. The bone healed. The question was, can Mark be strong enough for race distance to do what he needs to do on a motorcycle? So I don't know what comment you read, 
But I think at this point, I'm going to say this. The only X factor for me is, is not his health, not his strength, not his desire to go win, because that's never going to die. Even his ability to get up to speed. He's been riding. My question is going to be, what state is the Honda in that is good for Mark Marquez or got developed away from Mark Marquez in, in his style? So I don't know. I think Mark's going to be fine. I think it's 40 points. He spotted the world 40 points. We have enough rounds left. If you were to put money on someone else to win this championship, I think it'd be foolish, personally. I think I think he's going to come up to speed quickly. I'm not going to say he's going to go out and dominate this weekend. It's going to take some time. Having experience of being off the bike for a long time and coming back and being shocked at, at what I thought my speed perception was and what my speed actually was gives me a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, normally I would probably say, oh, what's the big deal? Yeah, I get it. He hasn't taken a checkered flag since 2019 or whatever the whole thing is. But from my perspective now and my experience that I just had, I'm sitting there going like, look, I think he's a victim of his own success where people are like, he's going to come back. He's going to rip or other people are wanting to basically shit on him and say like, Hey, you know, he's going to need some time. He hasn't taken a checkered flag. I don't know. And, and the thing is, is he's Mark Marquez. He's an absolute stud. He's been off the bike. The dude is probably jonesing. It's not like he's towards the end of his career and then he gets hurt. And now it's like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe he's said, he said publicly, he wants to race 10 more years. Well, and that kind of goes along with what I'm talking about now, because the thing that I read about that really interests me is a racer is always a racer. And you know that it doesn't matter. You know, I had this discussion the other week with Larry Pegram of all people, because I, I was lucky enough to chat with Larry. And and when this whole battle, of the old thing came along and I decided to, to lace him up again, just for fun. You know, the whole time I was asking myself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? It's because I love it. You know, at the end of the day, um, he still loves riding a bike. It's not, it's not going to be a thing where the only thing that's going to keep Mark Marquez off a motorcycle is if he's injured too bad that he can't, you know, can't get back on. Um, one of the headlines I saw and reading his words is his target. He says, my target is to win MotoGP titles, not win a lot of races. Um, it's a really, really easy thing for a guy to say who's won a boatload of races. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but seeing what happened last year, this guy sat back and watched Juan Mir win the title, winning one race. Uh, I think that if there was any idea that maybe the two weekends in Doha were just a little bit premature, and I say that by the means that he only missed them by a couple of weeks, right, Greg? Like three, four weeks. That extra month of time for him to get ready for Portimao is very interesting to me. He's 40 points out of the championship as we sit here right now. Um, if he was to go and finish fifth, let's say at this opening round, he'd have the same amount of points that Juan Mir had after three rounds last year. So when you look at what he's thinking here, and what he might be saying is there's nobody in the field that can finish at the front more than Mark Markins. All right. As far as the consistency goes, his will to win always seems to drive him past and, and win as many races as he can. And I don't think that's going to go away. That said, I feel that, if there is a letdown in the arm or if there's any kind of problems with his body three quarters of the way through the race and he's running second, fourth, fifth, sixth, he's going to look at it and go, I'm going to take these points. I'm going to move on to the next one because he's only going to get stronger. Don't you believe? Always just yeah. stronger. He's going to get stronger as the year goes, barring that there's no uh, ramifications from the injury itself. He's going to get stronger as the year goes. And he realizes that he can still win this championship. He's still every bit in front of it. That's why, 
even last week when we were talking about the results of Doha, you got to look at factory Ducati and think that Jack Miller's not going to be happy. He's only got a 14 point lead over Mark Marquez. You think about how many laps Jack Miller did around Doha over the course of a month. And he's only got 14 points over a guy who was sitting on his couch. Mm -hmm. Um, Good point. You know, so when you look at this, this kid is going to come back, obviously, wanting to show the world that he's ready to go. I'm sure he's going to want nothing more than to go out and smoke everybody. But if he really lives true to the words that he spoke here about, you know, he, he really is a big believer that, you know, people rem- remember how many titles you won. Nobody could really tell you how many titles Rossi has or how many races Rossi has won, but they're going to tell you how many titles he's won. Um, and if he wants to race for 10 more years, would you bet against him to win at least five or six more championships in those 10 years if his desire stays true? If he's healthy, no. No, yeah. I would not bet against it because, you know, it's kind of like what Chad Reed said on this podcast. You know, Mark Marquez is one of the, the last few people that feels like he'll step on your throat if he gets the opportunity. Correct. You know, kind of like what Jack Miller has in his arsenal and that mentality. Yep. And I totally get that. And I think that, you know, as long as society is okay with the way Mark Marquez races a motorcycle, which is he's not banging off people and knocking people down and being a total jerk but he's out dominating, then it's a totally different situation. I think yeah. one of the things I'm interested in the most, there's there's so many things to look at with Mark's return. One of them is how much speed has the paddock gotten in his absence, you Correct. know? And when will that, when will the, the 100% Mark Marquez really show himself? Because at the end of the day, he still has a rod in that arm. Yeah. And that rod can take an impact that's gonna that could potentially break that. Is that even going to factor into Mark's brain? Is he going to just ignore that? Or is there going to be some places where he just says, I can't take this chance at this moment in this corner until next year, until the, you know, the bone, the rod is out. Because I think from what I've heard that they're, they're planning on after, you know, that rod being in there for a year or whatever, taking that out. And yeah. then he's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I don't know. There's a lot of things in there that we don't know that Mark probably doesn't even have the answer to Jay until he's in the situation, you know? Yeah. And I think that when you talk about the development of the Honda through Broddle and now Paul Espargaro, uh, Nakagami and those guys, um, and even his brother, they know what works for Mark. They know and understand exactly what works and what doesn't. So I can't imagine that they've gone too far away from what he's going to like, um, one of the reasons I thought that Paul Spargo was always going to be a good fit there is because I think he rides the bike a little bit like Mark Marquez. When you look at body styles and positions in, in pictures of the two, they look very alike. Um, so I don't think the development is going to go too far away. And I, and I think the engineers would be smart enough not to go, you know, too far off the deep end with other riders and what's going on. Now that could change if he wasn't ever going to be coming back. Um, Let's keep in mind, too, that he tested at Portimao on the S version of, of the RC, which, by the way, looked exactly like the bike he races. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's, um, a, street, it's a street it, bike, ultimately. It is. It is. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that probably was a great test of the arm itself to see, you know, how good it's going to react. And, you know, that place with the heavy braking it's got and the, the hilly terrain and the ups and the downs, probably one of the most physically demanding tracks to ride um for the year so i you know this weekend for him he's going to be at the front there's no question on that uh you got to also think kind of circling back to the beginning of our podcast and i don't know how this works so we i could be talking out of my ass on this greg but you got to feel that if doby really likes a Saprilia, he's jumping back in going well i got every bit of chance as anybody else like with as many rounds as we have left you know maybe he could still be a factor in the championship 
if that bike is good and if he feels comfortable on it and confident, I know that Dovey would play that down. But it'll be interesting to see if they both end up coming back at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. In Moto2, it's going to be uh, a battle again this weekend. Sam Lowe's comes off a double victory at Doha. Um, looks super comfortable with his Mark VDS team. Everything seems cheery right now in Sam's world. I'm going to have to see if we can get him on the podcast. Uh, it'd be really an interesting uh, discussion to have with him on, on you know why he went so good at Doha, what he feels about that place, and so on. Um, but Remy Gardner, man, is going to be strong. He's going to be strong all season long. He's got a good bike and a great team underneath him. What are you expecting from Moto2? Uh, those two guys, and I would add probably Fernandez in there, maybe. Yeah, you know? I mean, unbelievable. And, and, and that's kind of... I, I think for some reason this year, I feel like we're going to get more consistency from the Moto2 class than we've seen in the past, you know, where yeah. people have gone up and down, up and down. Lowe's Gardner and, and uh, Fernandez seem like they're kind of dialed in. Fernandez might be the question mark on that one, but I think we're looking at a pretty good championship. I'm hoping that, you know, obviously when you talk about the Americans, that our guys bounce back, you know, yeah. that, that Cameron yeah. Bobier is going to be able to put himself solidly in the top 10 or better. It's it's so hard to say, you know, Joe Roberts, I think just a crushing a crushing crash for him as he was clawing his way back into contention in fifth place. So th- there's a lot of stories in Moto2, and, and I would encourage everybody to watch it, definitely, especially because we're invested with the Americans. But I think Sam Lowe's, Remy Gardner, and Fernandez. I think uh, Bedzecki might be able to get his, his stuff together on the, the Sky Racing team. But, you know, this is such a different racetrack, isn't it, Jason? From yes. what we spent a month at to all of a sudden go to this roller coaster, it's it's pretty gnarly. I just think, you know, knowing that place the way I do, it's, it's like Laguna on steroids. Like, it's... It's, you know, with Laguna, you've got, you know, turn one at Laguna is kind of, it's so cool to watch those guys go up over the hill on a MotoGP bike. Um, but Portimao has got, it goes up and down hills like that that are really steep, like really, really, really steep. I watched this morning, I was I was just kind of thumbing through my Instagram and I don't know if, you know, if you get a chance to see it, but I think it's on MotoGP's Instagram Um Fabio Quattararo's crash coming up over the top of what they call the roller coaster at Portimao and the bikes that missed him when he came up over the top. Cause it's so blind. You can't see up over the top of that hill. And it's something you should look up Gito, if you get a chance. I mean, I remember it. I remember oh, watching that one live. That was I, crazy. I, I sat there like twitching, you know, like, Oh, Oh, you know, and, and um, the place is just, it's a really neat place to go see a race and uh, the ring road that you have around there. If you got the right passes, you can get real close to the track. So, um, MotoGP there would be a really interesting watch and I know I'm going to be glued to it. I'm going to be out here at Chuckwalla all weekend, but I will be glued to watching everything that's going on in Portimao in Moto3. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, Greg, I watched that race again last night. I, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I rewatched a race. Me either. But Kevin hadn't seen it. So we were all down in the garage in garage two last night, having a little bit of dinner and, and I had totally convinced Kev, you've got to watch this race. And so of course we're all in there and, um, Pedro Acosta, again, hats off. Unbelievable. I don't even know how you top it, but it always seems like these guys figure out a way to top a Moto3 race, but I don't know how you figure out how to top the second well, race this, in Doha. This, this one will be a little bit more difficult, I think, because it's a little more technical. It's not you know, all the time that they had there, all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure. It's going to be close. There'll be a pile of people in there, but this is familiar territory for, yes. for Pedro Acosta. He's been to this racetrack plenty of times, so we're going to see if what he did is going to hold. And if this guy is starting to show up as a regular front runner and potentially, you know, a championship contender, because he leads the Moto3 championship, does the Red Bull KTM Aho rider at 45 points 
over 36 of Darren Binder. Masia in the mix, Antonelli. So familiar names involved in this championship with the rookie Acosta. So that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, how this whole thing plays out. Now let's keep in mind, G-Dub, this week uh, when we do our, uh, when we do get to go to Portimao, um, we do have our fantasy on MotoGP.com. So you can go to fantasy.motogp.com and get your fantasy team going. We've got quite a few people in our league this year. Uh, and I'm way, way, way in the back of that. I will be making some big changes this week in the GW. <laughs> um, you can't make that many. There's only one change I know, allowed. You only son. get one. But I've already got a pretty good idea of where I'm going to go with this and who I might pick. I'm on it right now looking at some of the prices. I've got a lot of budget left, but I've got to try to make a run on you guys because I'm going to be spending a lot of money uh, out of my <laughs> own pocket with some of the gambling we've got going on. Um, I will get Uncle Skip to the golf course, though, so hopefully I can make a little bit of that back. Um, but yeah, I think wow. I think uh, um, I think the fantasymotogp.com is where you got to go. Where are you at in that league, G Dub? How you doing? You're not doing too bad, are you? Oh, in in moto now, I'm I'm not I mean, doing that. I'm not doing that well. But la- last week, for some reason, we kind of took a beating. Last week, I think I'm like 142nd. Yeah, I mean, I think didn't you beat me last week? Yeah, you know. actually won like. So our side pool that we have going on with Skip Axland, Chuck Axland, you and myself, you won it last week. I did. So, mm-hmm. Oh, did that's you? Big news. Oh wait, I maybe know. I maybe, stink. Oh, sorry, that's Supercross. Super. I get those confused. We have so many things going on. Our Supercross fantasy thing. You have four wins on the year. I have four wins on the year. Got so it. we're we're going after it on that one. On the fantasy oh, side of it. things, I don't know. You go to fantasy.motogp.com or you can go to motogp.com and there's a tab that says Game Hub and the first link there is like build your own team. So yep. when you look at that, you go to our league and you go check it out. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm involved in a bunch of leagues. I'm in like I am 20, too, yeah. 20th in Chuck Walla. Um, so I'm 77th. I slipped from 70th down to 77th. Yeah, and there's some guys on our on our first page of our league that I see. Ollie's doing good. He's third. Um, and, and Troy Simmons is up in the top. I think he's up in the top 20. So I got some friends that are doing okay. I got to catch them because I'm going to take no end of crap if I don't. So long, long season, G-Dub. We got a long, long time long to make a, make a comeback. All right. So I wanted to just touch base on this thing I have going on this year called Greg's Ride to the Races, Jason. And basically what it is is that uh, Hudson Valley Motorcycles in Austin, New York, has provided me with a, with a 2021 Ducati Multistrada V4S uh, that's got bags and everything on it to, to ride to some of the races. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ride to road Atlanta to BIR. I'm going to do this like totally epic trip where I'm going to go to road America to the Ridge to Laguna. Those are all two weeks apart. I'm going to fly home for a couple of days and like leave the bike where I, you know, like leave the bike in Milwaukee, then ride out to Seattle, leave the bike there, go to Laguna and then come home. I'll go to pit race and I'll go to Barber and possibly one uh, archery tournament that I'm going to do uh, in, in Georgia in August. So that's got to be spread out during the course of the year. Um, have some great, you know, people supporting it on board. We're going to announce that later. But one of the things I wanted to let people know is that I'll be producing content like each day that I'm riding. I'm going to do some live stream stuff. I think Jay, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to work it out. It's really expensive to live stream from a motorcycle, but um, I have a hot spot and got to do some things. And then if you go to YouTube, there's Greg's Garage TV. If you go, that's my channel. I'll be posting a bunch of content there nightly where I'll have to stop, shoot some video, kind of do a summation of the day, do some live stuff, want to interact with people. I'm also partnered with the Rever app. 
So if you get Rever, you'd be able to track me live. And if I'm coming through your area, I want you to come ride with me. You can watch me live and come meet up with me. I'm going to be doing some things. Kyle mentioned earlier, Jay, that he's going to be Wednesday at that Panera Bread. I think if I'm in the area, I think Wednesday night, I'm going to be staying uh, at a place called Two Wheels Only. That's only like an hour north of there. So maybe I'll go to Panera Bread and hang out with Kyle, you know, and go check that yeah. scene out. I was going to say, I was, I was literally going to ask you before you answered my question about trying to meet up and hook up with fans and, uh, I mean, some of the Panera Bread places might be kind of a fun thing to do, uh, you know, kind yeah, of like little yeah, meet and greets really along the way, idea. you know. So that would be kind of cool. Yeah, I, you know, Greg, I, I, I'd do it with you, Greg, but I don't have a, I don't have a driver's license to ride on the street. So, otherwise, you know, you I'd get be on the, the first. Back. I'd be the first. I would do that with you. I'd get on the back. I would. I'd actually do that with you. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. You I would. saw that you got. A, I saw that you had a. Um, I know you would on your I've Instagram. Been on the back I with you a couple times, and yeah, uh, yeah I'd do it with you. But I saw on your Instagram feed that you went to the uh, the place where they're building a case so that you could take your bow and all that stuff on the back of the bike and all that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. So two by two cycles in Durham, North Carolina, that was a golf bag carrier, Jay. So he, this guy actually yeah. makes and has made for year golf bag carriers that attach to the back of Harley Davidson's and stuff. So he was just like eyeing it up saying, okay, how do I engineer this thing? We're going to move this thing seven yeah. inches lower. It's going to be like an inch taller than I have a, I have a, a, a top case that's on the back. Yep. It's only going to be an inch taller. The whole thing's going to be blocked by my body, the bags, everything else. So we were looking at people were just, just crapping on it. It was hilarious. They're like, Oh, that thing's going to be, the oh, worst. Yeah, no, they're going to crap on it anyways, which is great. I would too. But I mean, I'm thinking if we can make two of them, I could put my clubs on there. You could have your bow on there. Why like not? a honeymoon to be perfect for us. And the, the Multistrada V4S actually has auto leveling, Jay. So when that weight goes on it, it actually, the suspension is electronic. So it'll level itself out. So it's not even going to be great. like a chopper. It's, it's very interesting. It's a fun bike to ride. I'm looking for a place to, to do some gravel stuff because it is a Multistrada. And so I have, yeah. I found some places around here where I want to take it off road a little bit and just kind of give it a test because I want to adventure toward the thing as I ride cross country. So it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I think- Richie and I, Richie Alexander, you know, from Hudson Valley Motorcycles, we were talking about it. Um, and I think I'm probably going to put between 15,000 and 20,000 miles on it this year. That's great. Yeah. You know, Richie, I, the last time I was in New York, which is too long ago now, because I like going and hanging out with him, but, you know, he kind of forced my hand to go on a street bike ride with him and a bunch of the boys. And they put me on one of those things. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, I had so much fun that day. We, uh, we, we, we did some really good riding on some great roads up by, up by where the dealership is and wait, 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 we had wait, a good wait, time. Wait. So yeah. Did you just yeah. say you don't have a motorcycle? Street I, license, I don't have one. I was illegal. You just, fully illegal. Allegedly. We don't really know if this ride happened. It might just be fodder for the podcast. We don't know. Oh yeah, no, I could just be lying. Yeah. That's probably <laughs> what I'm doing. Well, I'm just it saying, could just be lying. Could, I will say that we went to an amazing Italian joint, uh, for, for dinner that night. And I, it was great because a few of the boys, you know, they took off and got down the road ahead of me and, and Richie kind of knows how I am on the street, especially I'm, I'm the slowest guy. I'm like speed limit guy. <laughs> don't really break rules. And of course you can't really do that. You don't really want to do that when you, uh, when you're kind of riding around with no license, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it was, it was still a great day. It was fun. And, uh, I think it's going to be good for you too. That'll be a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So Greg's ride of the races, look on my social media for more stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, if you want to support the ride, I think I'm going to have a link for that. Some people have been really interested in doing that. Like kind of yeah, like Kyle's cool. talked about, and and we're gonna have a link soon to support the podcast. On next week's show, we're gonna talk MotoGP Portimao. Of course, we're gonna break it down in detail. Mark Marquez's return to MotoGP, other stuff. We're gonna talk Supercross Atlanta two, which again, 
happens tonight for us, which is Tuesday. So it'll be over by the time I post this thing. But so it'll be Atlanta 2 and Atlanta 3. And we're going to have a special guest who has some ties with racing and some other stuff. Uh, that on next week's show. Look ahead to the weekend of racing this weekend, of course, MotoGP. But Jay, the World Endurance Series kicks off this weekend at the Le Mans 24 hours. It How doesn't, GW. They canceled it. Oh, they did? Yeah, oh, they canceled it. Right. They, they came back. Um, I, I was funny because I, I thought the same, but uh, I, I was texting a few of the boys over there, and they literally canceled it, and it's going to be in June now. They did do the oh. makeup date. It's in June, middle of June, GW. Oh, that's so weird. I actually yeah. went to the website and I saw that uh, they didn't even be posted on their own website. All right. My bad, everybody. Well, so I, no- meant to, I meant to tell you that because I saw it in the rundown and I just didn't get to you quick enough. No so, yeah, they deal. did redo that. So, all of you that were planning on flying to France this weekend, don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good one. Yeah. We're listening to the podcast <laughs> and we're jumping on a plane. By yes. the way, NHRA Drag Racing, and you and I talked about this. They're in Vegas on Sunday and I'm there, but I leave on the red eye Saturday night. If not, I, I remember our guy, you know, who, uh, who, sh- uh, Came in on on the on the broad the broadcast who's NHRA you know who's um, yes oh my god what's his name I'm so sorry I forgot his name but anyway so I'm not going to get to go but NHRA drag racing is in uh, Vegas and that that's also that uh, the Harley Davidson class and stuff like that uh, Heron Hound is in Jericho Utah Works is in Taft California Baja Racing is a San Felipe 250 GNCC in Union South Carolina so there you go that's your podcast there's your race calendar Jason. What do you have to say on the way out? Because I know that you are at Chuck Walla for another, like, what, week or seven I'm days? I'm here for another week. Uh, yeah. Another, yeah, like another week. You're talking about Brian, I think, is who you're talking about. Brian Loans. Brian, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry, great Brian. Great guy. Awesome, dude. Brian's such a good guy. And he's got some – if you go on Brian's Instagram, the stuff that he digs up and the detail in which he explains some historic stuff of the NHR is great. And let's just throw this out there. We got a guy that's a factory Harley rider and what also is very prominent in HRA. Harley Davidson. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to see Kyle go do an NHRA drag race? Mm, didn't even think Might about be that. something to think about. Um, Kyle, hello. Yeah. Yep. would be, be kind of cool because Kyle can ride anything. So it'd be kind of fun to check that out. Um, no. And Brian, he, he joined us at New Jersey, didn't he? Jersey. Yeah. That was where it was. Yeah. Super good dude. No, I'm out, I'm excited. I'm out here, Greg, for uh, for the remainder of the week. Yeah. I, I've got one-on-ones Wednesday, Thursday, CVMA, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I got, a, I got a busy couple of weeks ahead of me. And then before you know it, we're going to be on a plane headed to Road Atlanta for round one of Moto America. Yeah, dude. I'm at I'm in Vegas this weekend for an archery tournament. I'm home for a couple of days. I go to Texas, Dallas, Texas for another archery tournament. Home a couple of days, get on the motorcycle, and start heading to Road Atlanta for round one. So pretty excited about all that stuff. Where are you going to be, Jason, next week for the podcast? Are you going to be home next by then? Next week? Or you, I, yeah. I could be home. Ooh, fingers I, crossed. I, I could be home. Yep. I'm actually doing something pretty fun on Monday that I won't get into now. I'll hmm. let you know how it goes. And then uh, and then that'll determine where I'm at Tuesday and so forth. Well, thanks to Simon for allowing you to use his garage again and his Wi-Fi yep. to do this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for checking us out. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're listening this late so you get notified. And Jason, you have the final word as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the racing this weekend. It's going to be a good one. 